ready to begin. We had no idea uh, how many people might come to this forum. We, we knew that it was something that was potentially very controversial. In fact, when it was originally proposed last year, uh, sort of like a last minute uh, time, there was deep concern among the advisors as to whether we should have a forum like this at camp. Uh, in praying about it and in consulting with the sisters who had initially proposed it, um, I, I really feel stronger than ever that it's really important uh, that we be given information. Uh, and that's really the key. We need information, uh, especially when we see what's happening. Read the newspapers and we see uh, constant evidence of, of um, sexual abuse uh, in a wide spectrum of, of, of areas. Um, as a principal of a high school, I once had to go to court uh, on behalf of the prosecution of one of my teachers. Uh, very uncomfortable kind of a situation. He ended up losing his license. Uh, was not found guilty because of a hung jury. Uh, but it, it, this is certainly something that, uh, had he been perhaps a little bit more aware, he would have been a little more careful. And, and uh, the, the purpose of, of this is going to be explained by, by our sisters who have prepared the form. I don't want to take away their thunder. Uh, but I, I'm going to just uh, introduce it by having a prayer. Uh, for them, as well as for all who are here, uh, you have different reasons for coming, and uh, God knows what those are, and we would hope and pray that the, the purpose of your coming uh, might be helpful and might be fulfilled. Let's bow our heads to pray. Lord, we thank you for opportunities like this when we can gather from great distances to be able to share information that some have put their thoughts to, have researched out, and have, have learned uh, based upon experience, based upon research, that will be helpful to all of us. We live in an age when there are so many subtle ways that Satan would try to take advantage of, of the innocence of people and bring them to the point of discouragement and of, of despair and of frustration. We pray, Lord Jesus, that this might be, the information that might be shared this afternoon would be helpful to those who may have even become victims, that they might be able to find and be able to seek out and find professional help with people who have, have uh, the expertise in being able to deal with, with situations like this. And for all of us, that we might be more sensitive, more aware, and uh, be more careful in what we say, what we do, and how we may also be of help to others. We pray for our dear sisters who will present this forum, that you would give to them the, the comfort of knowing that when they yield their tongue and their thoughts to thee, that thou wilt speak through them the messages and the information that we need to be able to share together. And we pray for everyone who is a listener, uh, as well as those who might hear this on tape, uh, that what might be gained might be helpful and in our understanding of, of some of the uh, controversies, some of the difficulties, some of the challenges that face us, face our children and our grandchildren. We pray for wisdom that we might know uh, at least a little better of how we can best handle situations that might prove rather complex and rather challenging to us. And for this, Lord, we are thankful that we can turn to our Lord and Savior who has promised to guide our thoughts and our words. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Sister Jelena will start. Okay. Hi. <laughs> um, a little bit nervous, <laughs> but most of you probably know that because <laughs> whoever was praying for me all day pretty much heard the whole story. But, um, I just want to kind of start off saying, with this forum, I mean, you know what the subject is. Um, this is a, it's not just an informative forum, it's a, uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, come on, get louder. Okay. Um, okay. It's not just an informative forum. We, one, this is a self-help forum. So, I mean, obviously there's information there too, but we're going to be sharing a lot of uh, personal, very personal things throughout the, this whole hour. And... It's been really hard for us. It's been really hard for us to go through this and to um, even get to a point where we can talk about it. Thing. 
one on one. And get him. An emotional person. I never thought I was, but I guess every time I go up and speak, I cry. So I'm prepared, and if anyone needs any, kind of just scream, and we'll throw some out to you. But um, that's just so what we're ready for it. Um, and I also want to say before we start, well, sorry, but um, when how Johnny was saying last year when we wanted to do this, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Well, not funny. It's humbling, I should say. Uh, we were really. We knew God wanted us to do a form at camp, and we were just gung-ho, and, you know, we've got everything ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. And it, when, we got, when he got the word back to us that we weren't going to be able to do it last year, we've got, we got really upset. I mean, we just thought it wasn't, it was not fair, but in a sense that, you know, people need to hear this. People need to be aware of what's going on. Um, and, you know, they're trying to stop it. <laughs> but... Throughout this past year, we really, we've really realized that we're not done with this. And the healing process for, uh, for any kind of abuse, especially sexual abuse, is a long time. And more than anything, I mean, we can offer an apology <laughs> for, <laughs> for our thoughts. And um, just, to, the, just to acknowledge God's timing and how perfect it was, because we really needed this past year to not only pull more things together, but... Um, come to the realization that we're not even close to being where we really need to be. And also to make a disclaimer, we're not counselors and we're not therapists. We're not here to tell you, this is how you, you know, okay, you have this problem, this is how you're going to get better. And we have no idea the whole road, you know, we know how to start and that's about all we can offer. Um, any more than that, we'd be glad to try to help with. Um, so. <laughs> a little longer. Yeah. Hand that over to Patty. Let her have a go. Um, I guess what I wanted to, to start with is what really um, kind of brought brought us to this point. We talked about we should talked a little bit about it, but. Um, It's amazing how you can think about it, but if you don't say it, it doesn't get the same reaction. I knew exactly how to say this, so it didn't do this, but um, that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, let me walk this off. Okay. Um, yeah, I will. saw somebody walk today with this white dress on and I thought that's one of the things that this is a Douglas thing. Um, that's something I'll never be able to do is to, to wear a white wedding dress and be a virgin. Because of um, people that I trusted, that were very close to me, that um, I, other people trusted with my life, with my person, with me, as a, um, as a, a vulnerable kid, I was. Um, I, I can honestly say I don't exactly know when it started, but um, it, it ended when I was about um, 11 or 12. And it's all rather vague. The whole process, the whole um, experience in my mind is vague. But I was robbed of um, something I'll never get back. It's not like uh, somebody's stealing your car. Or um, something breaking into your house or something. But it's a very personal, un, un, 
retrievable loss. And, and um, that happened a long time ago. And I was fine. Um, I claimed that as my own sin. And uh, I remember when I gave my, uh, I confessed my sins to um, the elder at the time. And I told him that this is something I did. And that was fine with me at that point. Not really realizing um, the ramifications of the whole action. And um, I think, and then I went on through life, and no big deal. Um, I had friendships, but not a lot of real deep friendships. Um, the persons involved, which were more than one, um, became Christians, and so I was cool with that. I forgave them, God forgave them, everything's good, wonderful, go on with life, not realizing um, the whole ramifications of the process. Um, I went off and uh, I had a few marriage proposals, and, you know, it's like, nope, it scared, the, it, it scared me so bad to think that I would become involved with a uh, person, but it's something I really wanted. So there was a, a dichotomy of feelings there that I didn't know what it was all about. And um, I finally got to a point where and I, was, I finally had a friend that you know, we, we were talking about marriage, and, and I thought, okay, well, this can happen. Well, he said, no, I don't think this is God's will. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? And so I dealt with that rejection, and he was right, and I knew he was right, and I knew God was telling me no, and I was just arguing back and forth with God, saying, I think you're wrong on this. But, um, so I have no problem with that whole thing, because he did what he, he knew was right. But um, it was, I went to Brazil for a while, and I really I had a hard time dealing with trying to help little kids. I couldn't figure out why is this so hard. And um, then I came back, and I went through a depression that I didn't understand. And I had no idea why I went through it. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I cried myself to sleep every night for a month. And I said, this is crazy. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Something's going on. And I thought it was because I was fat. And I, I, I'm eating too much. I don't understand. I'm all depressed because I'm fat. And um, so I went to counselor for that reason to figure out why being fat was so depressing to me. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. I didn't understand. And, um, and we talked, and she's like, I'm, you know, what else is going on? What else is going on? And then finally, probably a month or two or three even, into the discussion, I mentioned what happened as a kid. And she said, you were, um, you were abused. And I was like, no, it was consensual. It was something that I agreed to. She's like, no, you were abused. And I'm like, no, it's something I agreed to. She's like, how old were you? And I told her, I think, somewhere in, in this age. She said, you didn't have the, um, the ability to agree. And it was at that point that all of my skewed reality became, it had a basis for its, its confusion. Until then, it, it didn't, and nothing made any sense. But as we talked it out, we didn't talk it out very far because she's like, well, that's your problem. Okay, you're done. It's not, you're not fat anymore. And that's all I can deal with. So I was done. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. I was abused. That's why I'm so screwed up. And and I could then I went on with life like that. And then, you know, just uh, dealing with different things. Um, and then Jelena came up, and and one day I don't even know how I came up with the subject, and she mentioned her experience. But and that's when um, she didn't want to go to professionals, so we figured we'll kind of run it through together and we worked through a workbook that I had heard about and it just was devastating to find out the degree of the extent that abuse has on a person and and how much how much loss is involved. Am I done now? <laughs> um, so that's how 
I got to this point, okay. Um, do we want to, I can't remember. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to do, you know, it, it, that's one thing that's so, it's so hard to, to talk about something that um, is so real in um, your own life, and especially because we're not done with it. That's why I said, you know, I thought, you know, going through the workbook that we went through, um, that we kind of were finished. And it's like, okay, now we have to, you know, practice living a normal, psychologically normal life. And, and then when we um, started to refocus again, it's like, well, we're not done. This is crazy. How can we not be done? But um, it's, it's hard to, um, to deal with the subject. You keep putting it, putting it off because you just don't want to face it one more day. It's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. But it's necessary. And so rather than trying to remember and even bother to write it all out again, I'm going to give you just a, kind of a clinical list of the different types of sexual abuse and different levels of it. Um, and we basically are working out of two different books. Um, and I don't know what the other one is, but this is The Wounded Heart, which you know we'll, we have around that you can look at if you're interested. But... Um, one, uh, it separates uh, into two different types of abuse, either contact abuse or even um, different interactions. Sorry. Okay. Contact abuse, um, there's three different um, levels of severity. There's a very severe which is um, intercourse, whether it's forced or non-forced, non um, oral or anal um, sex. And then the severe would be unclothed uh, genital contact, anything that, uh, whether it's forced or non-forced, um, including um, breast touching without clothes. And then the least severe is um, like sexual kissing or um, touching with um, people is still closed. And then the interactions that um, are also sexually ab abusive um, would be verbal where with um, direct solici solicitation for sexual purposes, seductive um, solicitation or in, in, in innuendo, descriptions of sexual practices, um, repeated use of sexual language and sexual terms as personal names. There's visual interaction, the exposure to or use of pornography, inter intentional repeated exposure to sexual acts, organs, or provocative attire. And then the psychological, there's a physical sexual boundary violation, intrusive um, interest in um, masturbation, clothing, um, just in, uh, private, development, and just things that are common sense that you would not ever discuss with anybody um, outside of your mom and dad kind of a thing, or a close brother or sister that of the same sex. You wouldn't even talk to a brother or an uncle about female things, and you wouldn't talk about male things with a sister or, or you know, it's like whatever is totally logically inappropriate. So those are basically the the, um, the categories of of sexual abuse. Um, this is a really intense subject, obviously, and so if you if we're you know talking about something really deep, and all of a sudden we just randomly switch to something pretty factual and out of a book. <laughs> kind of because we can't handle it. So just so it's, um, you understand the sporadic comments or readings. Um, but one thing that I didn't even realize, I, mean, I heard it through my whole life, I guess. Um, can you guys hear me in the back? Okay. Heard it through my whole life. And you know, you hear the stories um, about different things, about maybe different women, especially in the Old Testament, that were abused or things that happened, like the concubine and the, um, the one guy. <laughs> Sorry. I always want to say Levite. Was he Levite? I don't think he was. But anyhow, how um, she w 
he left his concubine on the um, basically on the threshold, and she was taken. And, um, she he found her. Well, that's where he found her was on the threshold in the morning, and um, that's what this this book is based upon. The, this is a book that we went through. It's called The Threshold of Hope. Um, but those were that's like biblical stories that I had never really taken much thought of, and I just want to read one story that uh, really hit us both because. It hits so many aspects, and it's just amazing to me that this isn't something that is just current in our world today, not something that just the Catholic priests have to deal with or just random people. This happened thousands of years ago, and this is something that God thought very, very relevant, and it's recorded in his word more than once. And so I just want to read this, um, and then we're going to hit a few points in the story, kind of touching on the big ones. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Ab Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard, to, hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said to him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to, thee, cometh to thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in, the, in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down, and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar my sister come, and make me a couple of cakes in, couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house, and dress him meat. So Tamar went to, him, went to her brother Amnon's house, Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all the men for me. And they went out, every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber for Am to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not, do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, Speak unto the king, for he will, not hold, he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice. But being stronger than she, she forced her, and he laid with her. And Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that, he, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is, n this, there is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst to me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him, and said, Put now this woman out from me, and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, head, upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head, and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her, and laid her, hand on, her head on her hand, and went on crying. And Absalom her brother said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But, now, but, hold thy, but hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother's Absalom's house. It's a very, very powerful story. And I had never really, I mean, I read it and I was like, wow, that really stinks. I mean, <laughs> what a terrible thing to go through and kind of that. Um, <laughs> but some of the key things in here... Um, that we really wanted to point out was who or what kind of people are abusers or who are they? Um, this was her, step, her stepbrother, basically. And it's somebody she trusted completely. She went to his house. She made him food. Um, she didn't have any, or it's not recorded anyways, she had any thoughts about doing this. I mean, I would for my brother. You know, it's like you wouldn't think about it. And... I mean, she just completely trusts him. It can be anybody. It doesn't have to be somebody, a priest, like in the Catholic Church. 
It doesn't have to be your brother either, or your sister, I mean, for that matter. It's both ways. Um, it can be a close family friend. It could be a neighborhood kid down the block. It can be anybody. Um, but one thing also to see here is that Amnon had this. It was premeditated. Every abuser will have a premed, will do, the reason they do it, well, not the reason they do it, but um, it's a premeditated act. They have had to thought about it at least to some extent before, before they do something like this. And usually um, the cause for them doing it is something has happened to them as well. Um, not always, you know, you can't make complete, but generally speaking, they've had some kind of abuse or they've had some kind of very traumatic thing happen to them where they do it and they pass it on. Um, and that's a huge reason why we're even bringing this forth is this has to stop and knowledge is the key to making it, not just making it stop, um, preventing it, <laughs> thanks, preventing it. If you don't know what's going on, you're not going to be able to stop it, or you won't have the desire to stop it if you don't know the extent. So okay, you might know, okay, this is happening, but what is it really doing to us? What's it really doing to our kids? What's it really doing to the youth in our church, or even just people you know in your family? Maybe they're not even saved. Um, there's a lot going on that we don't see and that we don't hear about. Um, we're going to get into, in a little bit, about kind of signs and symptoms of... Um, of abuse, and we really don't want to hit on abusers that much because that's not what really we're dealing with. Um, they have a place for healing. They've got a place for everything. <laughs> we're not going to really touch on that um, because we really wanted to get the healing focus or point across. Um, okay, now it's my turn for a story. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, yeah, um, a few years ago, probably. I was already, I was already saved. So it was must have been about when I was 18, maybe about yeah, 18 or 19, something like that. When Patty and I just started decided to start doing some studies, and our Bible studies before church, and this ended up like shouldn't have been, but it started. It ended up just kind of talking about what's been going on that day, and we, I remember talking a lot about just like different emotions, different things that I was going through, and it was just like. A lot of the stuff, I'm like, man, I, I was baptized. I've been saved. You know, it's like I shouldn't be going through some of these thoughts and emotions that I'm going through right now. And, um, and I thought it had a lot to do with just scars, which it did. But I thought, like, from my previous lifestyle before I was a Christian, I thought, you know, that was, it just, it's just still in my head. It's still fresh. So Satan just bringing all that back. And once I just keep telling myself, that it's okay, I'm over it, I'll be over it. So that was my whole frame of thinking when even I started talking to Patty about just random things that were going on. And um, I don't know like exactly how I said it or whatever, but I just remember one day kind of looking back on my past and kind of seeing some things. And we had, I guess I basically just dumped everything on Patty. <laughs> she was pretty shocked, but... Um, I didn't really know, I didn't really understand what had happened to me. I didn't understand what any ramifications were of that. Um, my, my experiences weren't as severe as Patty's. I, I wasn't raped. Um, but when I was, I guess it started about when I was about two, maybe two and a half. And it, it went on until I was about 12 or 13. And it was, it was from some family friends that we, that we spent, obviously, a lot of time with. Um, again, it wasn't right, but it was things like, oh, sorry, um, very personal, touching, very, um, kissing, you know, clothes, taking clothes off kind of stuff, where it was done to, it was done to me when I was so little that I have no idea what, what was even going on, obviously. And I guess as the years went by, it kind of, I guess it became more normal or something, or it was okay. And it was almost, it was almost desirable. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, here is this person that I look up to, you know, they're, they're older than me and they're, they're really popular in school and you know, um, you know, they're showing me all this attention, and um, and it just kept going on from that. And 
And so I guess when, when I was little, I didn't think that as much. But again, as the years went by, that's what kind of just got into my head. And I would almost look forward to occasions, or whatever you would call it. Um, just because it was like, wow, you know, this person is just giving me so much attention. And I must mean so much to this person. I'm so loved by this person. And not that I wasn't getting it from home. It was just, it was an all focus on me type thing. And, you know, as humans, we kind of crave that. And so when I was about 12, or, like I said, 12, I think, um, it just kind of dead stopped. And it was really strange for me because I had no idea, like, why I stopped. I didn't know what I did. And it was, it's so backwards because and that's what, like, this abuse does. It makes everything, it turns it all around. It's like, this was in no way my fault. And I hated it. But then I loved it. <laughs> and I couldn't, when it, was, when it stopped, I was like, well, what's going on? What did I do? Why, why doesn't he love me anymore? Why, doesn't, why isn't he showing me any affection or attention? Um, I, must, I must be really ugly. I must be really fat. I must be just a, have a bad, bad personality. <laughs> I mean, every, everything goes in your mind, you know? I mean, like extremes, every extreme you can think of. And so I kind of, but it's still at that point, I never thought of it as any kind of abuse. I never thought of it as anything wrong or bad. And... Um, throughout the years, um, I started, I don't know how many of you know my background before I was a Christian, but I, I started just getting into really, really kind of the party lifestyle. And um, <laughs> I started doing, doing a lot of things that I just, for some reason, I just felt like doing. I don't know. I can't even tell you, like, I had specific purpose in my mind when I, you know, when I would go out or whatever, when I would do anything. And um, I started, one of the symptoms, as we'll see later, is um, severe addictions um, or just compulsive behavior. And I started to get addicted to a lot of things. And um, And those addictions kind of went with me throughout, like, it was about a three-year period. I'm not going to say it was forever long, but I mean, it was long enough to do a lot of damage, a lot of damage to me, a lot of damage to my family. But I still had no, no idea why I was doing any of it. And like, I know a lot of times my mom would come to me and just like, why are you doing this to us? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you doing whatever? And I'm like, and I would just get mad or whatever and just leave. But um, any time that we got into any kind of fight, not just, I mean, I mean, my mom, but just whenever anything, anything bad happened to me, I would just, one of the reactions I had, it was kind of crazy. It didn't make any sense, but I would, I would just go into my room, and I would just go crazy. I mean, the whole room would be trashed, I mean, more so than normal. And, I mean, there would be. <laughs> it was like I became a different person. I mean, everything, I mean, everything was off everywhere. There was pencils. There was books. There was the mattress was every, you know, just everything. I just go into fits of rage and just complete anger and the first thing every single time and it never clicked but the first thing that came into my head was this mental image of the person actually like at that time it was the person that had done it in my latter years it was um there's one that was while I was younger and then it kind of kind of switched people and um and the older one is when and when, when I mean when I was older the things I remembered more clearly, that's kind of what would stick in my head. And I would just, he would be always in my head and like what the things that happened and I didn't understand why or what was going on. And I would just, I'd start hyperventilating, I'd start blacking out and then I'd start just like taking whatever I could to just make everything stop. I mean, and I just like, God's grace is just so, I mean, I remember one time I took, I must have taken at least like 50 or 60 different kinds of pills. I mean, just anything I could grab around the house. I mean, I started downing things, you know, and I'm just like, I just need to stop thinking. I need to stop everything. I just need to stop. And that's the kind of behavior, that's the kind of world I was living in in myself. And I just, I had um, had terrible self-esteem as far as, like, I just never thought I was worth anything. I never thought I could do anything with my life. I could, um, I don't know if I could get anywhere. I never thought. I had no boundaries for anything. I mean, people could do anything they wanted to me. I didn't care. I mean, I really, I was even more like, hey, let's do more. Let's do anything. I mean, in any kind of relationships, there was no boundaries. And it was like, I just had 
zero self-worth. And I mean, even if you ask a lot of people um, that knew me around, or that remember me at that, that time period, they'd still say, oh, you had a oh, great personality, laughing all the time, smiling, you know, whatever. And I mean, I don't think I could have been any more fake or any more a different person because as soon as the people were gone, I would just start thinking about this kind of stuff. And, um, and then I'd get like, I'd even get on myself even more. It was like this vicious circle because like, what, in the, what am I doing thinking about this? Why am I even, why is it in my head? Why? Everything. It was just, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. Um, and then I really kind of put it off. Like after, especially when I was, when I was saved, I never thought about it about the abuse or anything. I mean, I th obviously, obviously, I thought about like every, the addictions and things that I was doing, um, physically doing, and you know, I stopped doing that, and um, you know, I, I did, I changed completely. But there was this, this thing, thing. I don't know what to call it, <laughs> in my conscious, in my head, in the back of my mind, that would come up sporadically when different things were mentioned, different things were brought up, and. I don't know why it all of a sudden started when I started talking to Patty, but it just—it was just God's timing, and for whatever reason, God needed to bring it out for both of us. And when we started um, talking about it, I just—I guess I kind of realized what had happened to me, and um, why I was like, the way I was. Why I had not making this an excuse, because obviously you're held accountable for your sins, but. I, understanding the root of it changes everything because now I can't, I'm not just addressing this symptom or this symptom. I'm addressing what the whole cause of this was. And that made such a dramatic impact on my life, just realizing what was going on with me. It's just like, okay, you know, like Patty with the counseling. Now I know what happened to me. But um, I was just really fortunate that I had Patty in the, in the book <laughs> to keep going and to um, start kind of the healing process. And um, I'm going to talk about the, or the symptoms and kind of stuff, but I just want to also say, or mention that, um, kind of what happened when, when I told my family, <laughs> because I didn't tell them the whole time we were talking about, yeah, I was like, I, I didn't want to tell anybody. I never wanted anyone to know, and that's why it was the hardest thing when God was very, very clear that we were supposed to do this. It's like, I don't want to go up there and tell everybody my thoughts or what I did or whatever, you know? It's like, who in the world wants to do that? But... It was very, very, very clear. And um, so I was like, okay, I guess I have to tell my family because it's not like I can ban them from the forum. So, <laughs> which I tried to do. No. Um, <laughs> didn't work. Patty wouldn't let me. They were, they were incredibly supportive. And I, I mean, I remember um, when I told uh, my mom and my brothers, George and David, because they live at home, it was, it was, it was hard, yeah. <laughs> it was in, insane because all the emotions, like I thought I was doing really well with this whole getting over it thing and healing from it. I'm okay to talk about it. And obviously all three of them went crazy, but it was all different reactions. I mean, David ran outside. I thought he was going to go kill somebody, but <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> it was just everyone had their different um, reactions. And I just want to kind of set that as a preamble to what we're going to say later as far as how to deal with it if your kid comes up to you and tells you that. I mean, my family was, was great about it. And I just want to say that it's not the family's fault. If you have a kid, if you're a child, or if you have someone you know that comes up to you and says that, it's not, it's not their fault that it happened, and it's not your fault. It's not you, you weren't a bad parent. You know, I know, um, I know my parents go through that. Um, and even my brothers, you know, they think, well, I should have been there to protect my sister. My mom, you know, I should have been there to protect my daughter. Where was I? And it's not anything they could do. They did everything in their power. They never let me go to, I mean, when I was little, whatever, to certain places that would encourage this kind of behavior. It's nothing you could even try to pre prevent in that sense of keeping your, you can't keep your child locked up forever, you know. Um, we'll go through that more later. <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of set that up. It's just to keep in your mind that the only fault, the only person at fault is the person that did the abuse. And um, there is nothing that I mean, the way I dressed or the way I talked, that does nothing to bring it on. There is no, nothing can bring it on like that. It's all in the mind of the abuser. And um, just to keep that in mind, especially when your friends or somebody come to you, you know, don't try to make excuses. Well, maybe you talked a little too provocatively or something, or dressed a little too whatever. 
and it's never their fault. Um, okay, so having said that, <laughs> um, I want to kind of hit into the our little signs. <laughs> we're not as very we're not very technological, whatever you call it. Um, <laughs> we should have done an overhead. We didn't really think about it until Saturday when we're like, maybe we should make something up because. Yeah, so we've got signs and poster board. <laughs> yeah. Um, and something I want to go through, or this is kind of thing, and this is this is based on what Patty and I came up with and how we evaluated all of the people that we have talked to, and ourselves and um, you know, um, Mr. Cap. I don't know if this is at all <laughs> what it's supposed to be, but this is how things just laid themselves out. Um, you got the cause, and that's the abuse. Okay, the person that was abused, whatever. The, the actual fact that it happened. Um, the effect, is the inside, and the mental emotions um, ranging from. Well, actually, I'll do that now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pin these up, but these are just, just kind of some shame, self-centered contempt, other-centered contempt, hopelessness, depression, anger, um, self-esteem, depreciation. You feel unworthy. Second sign. <laughs> Incredible guilt, fear from everyone and anything, <laughs> um, lack of trust, complete desolation, isolation. Um, you feel undeserved of any kind of good things. You don't feel like you deserve any kind of compliment, any kind of good thing that might happen in your life. Um, extreme subservience, as in not like, okay, I'm going to be a servant to you in humbleness, but um, I'm going to let people walk all over me and do anything they want to me. Um, and then excuses and covering up covering up the truth, always trying to make things seem, oh, it's not that bad, especially for the abuser. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Um, example, when Patty gave her confession, oh, it was my fault. It's not his. You know, it was consensual. Um, these are most of the effect things, just like the inside stuff, and it goes to the outside stuff. The symptoms, the, um, any kind of actions or verbal things that kind of come about for that. And we've got a Got these written out too. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can read them all, but oops. And I want to say one thing with with all of these. If you know somebody that's going through this, I mean, it doesn't automatically assume. Oh my goodness, they were sexually abused. That's it. Get them therapy. You know, everything. Um, these are things that look for these things. Look for. You might not know. You might not know the insides of a person. And normally, with an abusive person, you're not gonna. They won't let you in. There's a wall. You only get so far. You might think you have a good friendship. I know a lot of people thought they had great friendships with me, but it was all based on how far I let it go. It's what I decided to tell you. It was my control. It was under just my guidelines, and that's how deep, and that's pretty much how people that have been gotten through this will act. Um, these are things that you can see. Um, I don't know. We don't really have too, a whole lot of time. I mean, if we get time at the end, if you guys have at the question time, if you, ask, if you have specific questions about some of these, but just going through um, some of these, especially ones that you can see, their personality changed completely. You know, I mean, from it can either way. It's either from someone that's like a really bubbly kid or person to all of a sudden they don't talk. They don't go do anything. They just stop doing things or, you know, vice versa. Someone really quiet. All of a sudden, hey, I'm, you know, the center of everything. Let's party, whatever. Um, eating disorders, any kind of self-mutilation, scars, they just want to hurt themselves. They want to make things stop. They figure, even the suicidal tendencies, you just want to make everything stop. You want to make yourself feel better in, in some whacked out way. It makes you feel better to hurt yourself. Um, weight change, extreme weight change. Um, trying to just go through these that you can definitely see, even in a person that you don't know very well. I guess you'd have to know them kind of well to notice the change. Um, but just kind of look for these things. And if you see that, don't automatically go up to them again and say, hey, this is what I think happened to you. But kind of maybe start talking to that person. Ask them some questions along the lines of, you know, just like tell me about your, I mean, if they want to talk to you. You can't go just and talk to a person that doesn't want to be open. But they come talking to you and they just have, you notice some of these, some of these, some of these, especially, especially counselors at camp. I want to go through that um, big time because that's how I got actually involved in this and knowing other people in our church that this happened to. There's been seven people, eight including Patty, <laughs> eight or whatever, seven people besides us that 
have gone through things from just plain a lot of verbal abuse maybe at school to um, also to rape, also to a lot of really disgusting things from their, from their family members. And it happens, you know, that's where I want to point out how I said this morning, we're not exempt from it. It happens in, around us. And that's, I think, one of Satan's biggest things is trying to hide it and trying to make us think that it doesn't exist because it's very, very real. It is very real. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> I did make an outline. I was kind of organized. <laughs> I tried. Okay. Um, Patty's going to hit on a few of the bigger things, um, specifically with shame, because um, that's kind of something that she really went through. So we're just going to try to target some of the bigger ones. I think we weren't expecting necessarily to get so personal, um, honestly. I thought we would maintain control enough to keep it um, clinical so it wouldn't hurt so bad, <laughs> but it didn't work. Um, one of the things about shame is shame is a very crippling thing, um, and it's different than a good, healthy guilt that God brings on to bring you to repentance because it doesn't bring repentance. Shame... Um, brings inactivity, it brings a self-condemnation, it, um, it creates walls in your life that you can't get past. Um, one of the, the hardest things to do is to, when you're, you're full of shame, you can't, when people give you a compliment, you don't, you don't believe them. It's like, save your breath, that's not true. And you can't accept compliments, you can't Give God the glory in, that he does in your life. You can't give him any credit because you don't see any good. Um, it's all, we don't have, sorry, we don't, we don't have the ability to see any, any good in, in yourself. You don't deserve anything, and therefore you have nothing. And even if it comes, it's, you write it off and excuse it as a fluke. Um, it. It also not only affects the relationships where you can't, you can't appreciate a deep, honest relationship with another person, even a deep friendship, um, to get to a, a point of intimacy with a spouse. It's, it's a very difficult thing for someone that's been abused. They can't open up. You're going to have um, a lot of factors shifting in and closing off. People will protect themselves at any cost. And then it becomes a habit, and it closes off um, your joy. You can't have full joy if you can't experience close, in, deep intimacy. I was up north um, last winter, and I sat in my um, little condo room, and I looked out the window at, at the bay. It was frozen over, half frozen over. When I got there, I got there in a big um, snowstorm. 
and the so the waves were crashing over the the shore and i had this nice little view that i could sit nice in my my little warm room and and just look at it and it was very nice and compact and the the frozen water over the uh, was hanging over the bay and the waves were crashing o up over the top and it was just really powerful but i was very warm and safe um and then um i took off and i went skiing it got warm and and things were kind of getting pretty and it, the water and it started getting warmer and the ice started melting from the under, underneath and you couldn't see the change from looking down at my window you couldn't see what was going on inside and underneath with the um, change of weather and I when I got out and walk, was walking around on the beach um, and on the ice and stuff, and you saw how thin the crust of ice had become that just looked still so ominous. And I just was thinking about how, in two aspects, how our lives as we, as we suffer from the, the attacks of Satan through different types of abuse and how, that, how we freeze up, and, and we don't want to let anybody in. And every time we start getting a little warm, Satan will come and throw some more cold water on it and they'll thicken up that, that ice layer so you can't break through. And how you need really the warmth of God to, to melt it away. And also you need somebody down there to, to chip away at it and help you to break it away. And then from my little box view of the world, it's like how an abused person views their life. They don't want to let anybody in. They don't want to let the intimacy in to hurt them again. And so they always stay safe and warm in their, in their closed life. But they'll never experience the joy of, of smelling the fresh air, falling down the hill in the snow, um, getting up and accomplishing things outside, feeling the cold, feeling the heat. All of that, the joy of being out there they'll never know. It's like being in a cage. And that's what um, shame does for you. Locks you in a box. And you build up walls to stay safe. We will. Um, another thing is the self-esteem. With the, the um, depression that hit me, um, you start, depression and self-esteem kind of tie in together, at least in my mind they do, um, where you just feel like you're, wor you're not worth anything, you weren't worth anything to that person that did the abusing, and you're not worth enough to God because he didn't stop it. And even that whole, that's a very screwed up way of thinking, but that's how you think. Um, it's God's fault, and he didn't care they didn't care, nobody cares, I'm useless, or he would have cared, and everybody else would have cared. And I think um, when we deal with people that are struggling with different issues, that we have to know that their, their thinking is very illogical. I forgot, and you just told me. Okay, the healing, the, there is healing. Um, and I'm much better than I was 10 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago for that matter. Um, but it's a slow process. I think just like the, um, the ice and the waves and stuff, it took a long time for that wave to break down from its frozen state. And I don't think that, um, at least I have, I'm not sure if you can ever get to complete healing you get to a point where you can tell the difference between the truth and a lie. But that's it. And that sounds so hopeless. That's not it. That's as far as I got. Um. We're not, um, when we said we weren't experts in the beginning, we're not, sorry, <laughs> we're not going to go into how to heal yourself, again, like I said, because we don't know all of it. We don't, we can't even begin to, um, well, we can begin, 
but we can't tell you how to get to the end. Um, there's a lot more experienced people for that. But what we just wanted to do with this, with this entire format, not bring like a little self-pity trip for us because it's not at all what it was about. Um, we want you to know what a person who's been under this or who goes through this, what they feel, well, within an hour <laughs> anyways, try to accomplish all this, what they feel, what things that they might be going through, um, just so you can get a better grasp when people come and talk to you, when you encounter this, because you will, and well, most of you will, I can almost say, or unless you close your eyes to it, if you open your eyes and your heart, you will encounter this, because people are very hurt, and a lot of people do go through this, and they need to talk, and so I just encourage, um, obviously everyone here, you came for a reason, and I would hope that it's to, to get more information to help other people, or to help yourself, and that's where your heart comes in. You've, you've made a first step in opening your heart either to helping people or to helping yourself. And so we really encourage you to keep going with that. Um, we're just going to hit some, some kind of prevention things. What do you do when, what do you do when your child, or when you think your child might be going through this, or even if they're an adult now, or if they're a teenager, or how do you even prevent, you know, you've got a one-year-old, how do I prevent this from happening to my little kid? The biggest thing is become knowledgeable. There's books out there. There's tons of information. We've got some that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, know what to do. Talk to your child about, about what it is. As scary as that may sound for a lot of us, it's, it's very needed. Um, if your child can come to you at two years old or at three years, three years old and say, Mommy, he touched me somewhere wrong or somewhere funny, um, that is a huge step that you, know, that you, you can take. This, one of our brochures, um, it's, they're all up on the piano, by the way. My body belongs to me. And this is kind of, I mean, there's so many of this kind of stuff out there. We just brought this as a kind of a get started thing. It's just basically a little story about a mama bear and her daughter and son bear. And just kind of going through the mom telling the kids, okay, this is inappropriate touch, this is appropriate touch, this is how people should act towards you and shouldn't. This is what you need to tell me when, um, if it gets to a point where it's too much or wrong. Um, so this is, any kind of, this kind of thing is great for parents. Um, and like I said, there's tons of books out there and there's tons of different material, but you really need to just take time to become knowledgeable of this. This could be your child's future. I mean, you hate to think about it happening to a two-year-old, but you don't know. And if you can, I mean, you take, what, a week out of your time to go to the library every day, you know, big deal. <laughs> this is saving your kid. And so I strongly encourage parents, and even tell parents that you know that aren't here, really just try to spread this. You know, this isn't confined to here. Try to get it out. Um, some words just to say to parents that you're, if your child or just somebody, or your, let's go with child, you know, comes to you even, um, kind of how I sprung it on my family <laughs> when they're 23 and they just decided to tell you this thing that happened to them, you know, 12 years ago. Um, Again, being knowledgeable about it helps huge, <laughs> even for now, even if, you don't, if you're not sure they're going through it. But just have open communication with your kids. If you see that they're starting to get into things that, um, that they weren't into before, you know, don't just assume that it's, oh, they're just sowing their wild seeds, or oh, they're just, oh, they're dumb friends, or, or whatever. It's just the whole high school thing. They just have to prove them. They'll be fine with it. It, may, it might be, you know, it might be just the little phase that they're going through, but it might not. And you need to know the difference. You need to um, really read up on it and really talk to them and have them be allowed to talk to you without fear of getting in trouble, being hated, whatever, whatever they kids go through. That's a whole other form. <laughs> but um, I guess when, when they come to you and tell you, you know, just be totally supportive. Don't ever blame them. Don't ever say, well, why, why did you do this? Don't even say, why didn't you tell me sooner? It took an insane amount of strength and courage to even come to you and say one word about it. Um, so once they say it, don't look on the past and don't make them talk about it if they don't want to. Bring it up as far as like just letting them know if they want to tell you they can, but don't force them to say so that they don't, they're not ready to say. Um, just take it slow with them. You know, it's, it's a long time to go through this. And you know, like I said, I've been going through a, or the healing thing for, what, like four years now, and it's still, whew, if anything, this past, like, couple weeks has shown me even more that I'm definitely not done with this. And I can't say that I know all the, the ways to go about it, but um, 
you know, like Patty said, there's hope. There, and that's what you can tell your, your children or anyone that you're counseling, your friends, whatever. You know, I guess the same rules apply when you're counseling your friends. Don't tell them, oh, why didn't you say something sooner? This could have been stopped. You know, just be there. Just listen. Tell, let them know there is hope because there is hope, but it's through Christ alone. And honestly, I mean, I can, without any, <laughs> I can't imagine somebody going through this and not having God. I cannot imagine. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I thought I was kind of a strong Christian before I even started dealing with this. And if I didn't have God with me every single step of the way, um, I would, there would be no way I'd be able to go through this. Or, and I don't, I don't think it's possible for anybody. So if somebody comes to you and they're not saved, I mean, first and foremost, get them saved and then go on. <laughs> I mean, I say that kind of flippantly, but um, you really need, they need to know the gospel. They need to know that their hope, because there is hope at the end, but it's only through God. That's their only hope. That's their only future. And so um, if you're dealing with someone that's not saved, but if you're dealing with someone that is saved, you know, they're going to go through, they're going to be going through a lot of stuff. And if you don't know what to say, you need to read up on it as a good friend, too. Know what to say to them, know what to be able to tell them. Um, in, it's kind of exciting. This, these, brochure, or these stapled papers, both piles are the same. That's kind of what it's talking about. We've got, um, on the first few pages, there's some guidelines. Guidelines. Some do's and some don'ts, what you should say, what you shouldn't say, kind of stuff going along, um, going along those lines. On the, the, last, or the second kind of section, um, it's called Words to the Wise. And it's just kind of little, a little paragraph for everybody. Um, words to the abuser, words to parents that you know, have found out that their child has gone through this. Just kind of um, some advice, some comfort. Um, just different things, so I really encourage you to pick this up, and at least you'll get a little basis for any kind of counseling that you might do with people. Um, and this, this also is just basic facts about child abuse, child sexual abuse, just to get, again, a groundwork laid of things that you can just, general information that you can know about. It, these are, all of them are really, really helpful. And if you need to take more, take as many as you need if you want to give them to people you think might need them. Um, what was I <laughs> Oh, and the books that, oops, these two books, if you, need to, if you want to write down the names of them, um, just come up here or look through them if you want to just flip through them. These are excellent. We've gone through this. And this one has a workbook that is really, really good if you have a friend that you want to go through it with or um, a group or just by yourself. It's, they're really, really good. And right now we're going to just pass out some evaluation forms. Um, and what basically the whole purpose is the first question was, do you think it's relevant? I mean, we know it's relevant, but we basically want to have everybody fill this out and give it back to us just so that if anyone in here needs to talk about something that they want to talk privately, um, if they have any personal questions, if they want to whatever, that they can come to us and it can be totally confidential. We'll know by this. There's a little um, thing in there that says, well, as you're getting them, you'll read it, but um, if you need to talk to us like, as soon as possible throughout the week at some time, sometime after if you want future contact, Anything like that. And we'll get a hold of you as soon as you say, you know. Um, we've made it our commitment to be available throughout the entire week, whenever you need it, to anyone. Any kind of questions from whatever, you know, just counseling stuff or, you know, even if you want to ask more personally about what happened to us and if you want to get more in depth with, you know, how we got through it and how we got to the point we are now, um, we'll be glad to. You know, this is a really hard topic to discuss, especially in an hour. <laughs> There's so much we could have went. I mean, we have enough stuff here. We could have went for, you know, five forums, you know, one every week or one every day, even more so. But um, so it's just kind of, again, to get the awareness going. So um, I'm sorry? Right. Oh, yeah, we're not counselors. I mean counseling as far as, like, when people, you know, come to you after camp kind of stuff and they want to just talk to you. But I mean, like, just giving them some point of an advice of a direction to go. And when the back of the... Um, I'll get with you in a second. In the back of those pamphlets, the blue one, there are resources you can call. There's a ab child abuse network hotline. There's different places you can go um, or that you can call there and you can get references to counselors, to um, places that could help, professionally help. And again, if anyone talks to us, we're just kind of going to be there to listen. I mean, start to direct you, but by no means be able to heal you. <laughs>
definitely. And I'm really glad you brought that up. And just for the tape, I'm just going to mention a little highlight um, of not being afraid to go to outside help, outside of our fellowship. Um, we, have, we just don't have the training inside of our fellowship, the amount that is needed. And that's just a reality right now. And again, to reiterate that there are great Christian counselors outside of our fellowship that, that, need to be, or that you can go to for help. Um, and definitely pursue that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> because they'll know what they're talking about. Um, are there any other questions or anything?